you have your Bibles, open up to 1 Samuel 28. That's kind of where we'll park for today. Um, I have a lot of different scriptures, uh, but um, we're going to continue on in the series of uh, um, stories that they have not told you in Sunday school. Uh, these are ones probably for a good reason. Disclaimer, we might be talking about some sensitive topics, so uh, we're going to be talking, just FYI, we'll be talking about witchcraft today. Uh, so if, if for younger ears, if that may not be uh, suitable, just fair warning. There's a reason why some of these stories aren't taught in Sunday school, um, but uh, just fair warning there uh, for you, disclaimer for today. But we believe that 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 is true, which is all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God, which is us, servants of God, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, every good work means everything, right? I mean, it doesn't mean only the things that you do for church. Every good work. So that means at your job. That means in your home. That means uh, with your family. That means with um, strangers. Every good work. Um, I would even say uh, even with your enemies, um, I don't need to study. I don't need to study other religions, mostly because they're false. Uh, but two, um, if I focus on God's word and what He instructs me to do, He's got the plan. Um, we were singing about it today, and, and just this idea of flowing into God's river of um, even the idea. Just this was my thought. A lot of times, maybe because it's October. But a lot of times when we think of Lazarus raising from the dead, how many of you have a mummy scene in your, in your head? Oh, here I come, I'm Lazarus. You stinketh. Okay, okay, I get it. But, sometimes, but what if Lazarus was running out of the grave? What if, like, Lazarus come forth, poof, like Usain Bolt fast, like just, boom, I'm out. Too many times we think, like, there's this, like, slow walk, like he couldn't remember how to walk. What if he ran? When Jesus calls us, that's the type of thing that we should be doing. We should be running after what he calls us. When he calls our name, we should run after him. And I think when we, when we follow after God, um, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of dreams that I have. Uh, you just ask my staff. I talk to them all the time. Um, but I have a lot of dreams of where I think God is going, what, what's Sounds cool. It's like, oh, this would be fun to do. But rather than what sounds cool or what seems like fun, God already has the plan. The Holy Spirit's already working. We just need to tap into him and find out what he has for us to do. Um, and so when, and sometimes we get sidetracked or distracted with what else is out there. So like I said, we're going to talk about witchcraft. If you kind of scanned over First uh, Samuel 28, it talks about Saul and a medium at Endor or a witch at Endor. Um, so let me get some terminology. Oop, back away. We're not there yet. Back away. We're not there yet. I have, I have a lot to talk about first. Okay. Let me, get, let me get some terminology out of the way. Okay, just so that we all understand what we're talking about today. Like I said, we're talking about witchcraft. So here are some things that the Bible even... Ta- uh, these are all different variations of the Bible. NSAB, King James Version, NIV, um, Christian Standard. But you have like mediums, familiar spirits, 
wizards, spiritualists, psychics, witches, necromancers. Yes, that's the fancy term, necromancers, those that speak with the dead. Um, And what's interesting is not the fact that it can't be done. It clearly can be. You can talk with the dead. We'll see it here in, in uh, Samuel 28, for Samuel 28. has nothing to do about with whether or not it's real or not. What it does mean, though, is what you should do with that information. Um, when you look at the Hebrew language in here, there's really two thoughts. Because like when I say wizards, how many of you think of Harry Potter? Okay, a couple hands, yep. Right? Uh, and we're not talking about, and when we say witches, I mean, besides like stepping over a cauldron, right, with like green bubbly goop, right, and eye of newt, right, like pointy hats, okay, we're, like that's not what we're talking about when we talk about witches, okay? Now, there are witches that do those things, okay? There are, uh, when we were in, uh, Pastor Josh talks a lot about Brownsville because it was a huge part of his life. Uh, but my family went down one summer to visit the uh, Brownsville Revival. And we got there at like 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Service started at like 6, I think. And people were already waiting in line at 8 in the morning um, just to get in the door. I think we were in the fourth overflow tent when we were there. Um, just numbers of people. Um, and so then the altar call was happening at the end of service, and it was like, okay, because we were just watching it on the screen, projector. And uh, so our family was just sitting there, and we're like, you know what, let's go ahead and pray for those that are seeking the altar. Pray for those that need to enter, you know, be with God. So we just, kind of the four of us, my dad, mom, sister, and I, we just uh, held hands and started praying, and an usher came up and told us to stop. You might be thinking, why would you have them stop? We've had a lot of witches come in to our services and try to say seances and throw things against us. So we just have a rule of, you can pray individually, fine, but not as a group. That's just kind of our rule. And that, I mean, there's some protection that comes in there. Uh, I was visiting with uh, the Baezes this week, and Jose was talking about when they had a church service down in Puerto Rico, and there would be a witch covenant or coven that would come in uh, in the backyard of the other, because it was a house church, and they would be doing seances as the search service was going on across the fence. So this isn't anything new or old, right? This is stuff that's happening now. But the Hebrew language is very specific, and it talks about, one, those that talk with the dead, okay? That's what um, a medium does, those that talk with the dead. Or in NIV versions, it says witch, the witch of Endor, which really means those that talk with the dead. And then wizards or spiritualists are those that try to foresee the future by consulting the dead or by just trying to foresee the future through other means other than God. It's interesting when, just highlight, in uh, 1 Samuel 15, I'm going to be jumping around 1 Samuel a lot. We're going to talk about Saul's life um, today. But in 1 Samuel 15, uh, when... Samuel comes to the king and is like, hey, I'm a seer. I can see the future of what you've done and why you were trying to do things. So even the prophets of God were known as seers. 
were known as people that could see the future. But where did they get their information from? God. God does want us to know what his will is, wants us to know what to do, wants us to know what the future is. The problem is, where do you go to find that answer? If you go to a psychic, a fortune teller, what's going to happen is you're seeking it from the wrong area. You need to be seeking it from God. God has a plan for your life. Seek him. God has a plan for this church. We need to seek him. I don't need to listen to what other people tell me to do. It's, God, what do you want us to do? We're going to seek you for what you have. And that's really the big difference. That's my main takeaway of today's sermon. Seek God for wisdom and answers, not anything else. So let's dive in. Let's set the stage of what's happening really in the first part of 20. It's basically, it's towards the end of Saul's life. Uh, Saul, it's actually kind of interesting. I found this out. Um, in 1 Samuel 13, it says that Saul was 30 years old when he became king. So he was kind of an older man, right? 30 years old when he was anointed king of Israel. But what's interesting is that the Hebrew is missing some text. It says that he was years old and he reigned for years long. It's just kind of interesting. So they've kind of put some different things. Actually, Paul talks about it in Acts chapter 13. It says that Saul reigned for 40 years. So that's where we kind of get... Some, some of you, if you're reading this, and I say, hey, 42 years, or 40 years, or 38 years, or 20 years, there's a lot of discrepancy of what that is because we're trying to kind of guess what's missing. We, we've, I mean, most people didn't live till 72, right, back then. But in Acts, it's confirmed about 40 years. So he still lived a pretty long life. This is the end of it. This is year 70. I find it interesting. In 1 Samuel, it talks about Samuel. It talks about Saul and the transition to, to David. Then in 2 Samuel, it's more about David's rise and fall and all the other stuff. But in Saul's life, it only happens for about 10 chapters. We only get 10 chapters of his life from 1 Samuel 8 to 28. Or 20 chapters, sorry, 20 chapters. 8 to 28. In that time frame, in these 40 years that he's reigning, we're, we're seeing this is the end. Philistines set up camp again. They're coming after him. And Saul gets scared. He's like, oh, they got a really big army. How do they just keep finding these people? Right? Like, he's like tired of fighting. He's old. He's 70 years old. He's like, oh tired of all this. God, what are you going to do? And God doesn't answer him. It gets him more scared. Because all of a sudden he's like, hey, all the normal tricks that I do to get God to talk to me, prophets, visions, he's not talking to me at all. And he gets really scared. So where does he turn to? Hey, find me a, a medium. Someone I can call. Because see, Samuel died. And they mourned him. That's the beginning of 28. Now, and it says Samuel died, and, and he's like, man, if I could only just talk to Samuel again, maybe I could get an answer. So he tries to find a medium. Now, Saul had done some reform, some spiritual reform for the kingdom of Israel, but not fully. So he, he kicked out all the mediums and all the spiritualists, right? Anyone that wasn't supposed to follow after God's law, they kicked them out. And then they, his, his uh, 
servants were like, hey, there's, uh, there is a, a medium in Endor. Why don't you go talk to her there? Which is part of Israel's kingdom, by the way. Okay? So he, he goes down there, and because he had decreed that they should all leave, he has to hide himself. So he goes in disguise, right? Now, I don't think it was like undercover boss level, right? Like, I don't think he put on a fake beard or dyed his hair, but he, he dressed differently. He, he sneaks out of the camp. He goes down there, and, and he, he's like, hey, you know, can, can you call up, call up somebody for me? And she's like, I'm not supposed to because it's the law, right? How many of you have ever heard of somebody like, I really can't do that because that's the law, but if you go over here and something falls off the truck, I can't help that, right? Like, I can't really help you. Like, and, and, and Saul's like, hey, I, I promise you the king's not going to come after you because he's the king, right? So they're like, okay, fine. Let's go ahead and pick up the story. Verse 11. It says, the woman asked, whom shall I bring up for you? Like it's an elevator or something. Bring up Samuel, he said. The woman saw Samuel and cried out at the top of her voice and said to Saul, what? Why have you deceived me? You are Saul. The king said to her, don't be afraid. What do you see? The woman said, I see a ghostly figure coming up out of the earth. Okay. Verse 14. What does he look like? An old man wearing a robe is coming up. She said, then Saul knew it was Samuel. And he bowed down and prostrate and, and laid on the ground, prostrated himself with his face on the ground. Samuel said to Saul, why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? I'm in great distress, Saul said. The Philistines are fighting against me, and God has departed from me. He no longer answers me, either by prophets or by dreams. So I've called on you to tell me what to do. I'm clueless on what to do. Verse 16, Samuel said, why do you consult me? Now that the Lord has departed from you and become your enemy. That's a hurtful verse. Verse 17, the Lord has done what he has predicted through me. The Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hands and given it over to your neighbors and to David. Because you did not obey the Lord or carry out his fierce wrath against the Amalekites, the Lord has done this to you today. The Lord will deliver both Israel and you into the hands of the Philistines. And tomorrow you and your sons will be with me. Whoo! You have 24 hours to live. The Lord will give the army of Israel into the hands of the Philistines, and you're going to lose the army. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you and we ask, Lord, that you would anoint your servant today. Hide me behind the cross that you would be glorified. I ask, Lord, that you would open our ears, open our minds, open our hearts it would re- that we receive your word, it would take root and change our hearts today and our lives. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You know what? Let's look at the three characters today. Let's look at the three characters. First, you have the hiding medium. Okay? You have this person that is not supposed to do what they're supposed to do, yet they, and, and they were supposed to leave the land. Endor is in a city that actually was named by Joshua. This was when they first got into there. They said, hey, clear out that area. That needs to be cleansed. It needs to be gotten rid of. 
And what happened? They didn't do that. They did not clear out the sin that was there. It was also a place that constantly, and this is why I said chapter 15 is kind of interesting, because Saul was told by Samuel, hey, go and wipe out the Amalekites. Wipe them clean of the earth. Their sin is way too bad. You do not want them around. They do the wrong things. You can't let them stay in, in Israel any longer. So what is, and, and wipe out everything. Don't touch their animals. Don't touch their, I mean, hus- or, uh, men, women, children. They got to all go. Now, you might think that's really harsh. The problem is, is that when you do things, not according, one, to God's plan, or two, that are just weird, okay, like offering children as sacrifices or, or offering cattle or doing things to think that you shouldn't be, what happens is that there are diseases and things that people didn't know of or how to track back then. And things just naturally occur, occur that you should not be a part of and take. So what does Saul do? He goes out and he wipes out all the people. And then he spares the king. And he's like, I'm taking you as prisoner. You're my trophy. Then he takes all the cattle and he's like, wait a minute. Those sheep got good wool. There's lots of cattle. They, they, I mean, they got, we, we, we can take care of, we can use some of this. I'll sacrifice some to, to make it you know, good for God. So then chapter 15, he goes up, he sets up the altar to do the sacrifice. And he's waiting for Samuel and Samuel never it takes his time because he's not supposed to be there. So then Saul decides to do the sacrifice himself and put himself in place of where the priest is supposed to be. And then, and that happened in chapter 15. Chapter 16, David gets anointed as king. As soon as that happens to him, your throne is no longer there. David is the next one appointed as king. Or anointed as king. Now, it takes a long while for the appointment to happen, right? That was chapter 15. We're now in chapter 28. I don't know how many years have passed since that point. But that was pretty early on. And now we're at the end of his life. I find it interesting, too, that the hiding medium, even though they are they're hiding there, she knew that she was supposed to be banished, but she never leave. Sometimes when you hear the laws, if we don't follow the laws, we're just hiding. I'm going to kind of correlate the hiding medium with hiding sin in our lives. It's the stuff that we know that we're not supposed to do, but as long as we don't do that, we're just going to let it be. We're not going to get rid of it completely. We'll just let it lie there because we're not, you know, just sitting there, right? Like if I don't go to the medium, the medium really has no effect on me. If I don't do the sin, it has no effect on me, but I'll just let it be. I'm not going to, I'll just let it sit in my house. I just won't touch it. I'm just going to let the sin just, ah, I don't need to delete those pictures. They'll be fine. I'm not, I'm just not, I won't look at them. But when God tells you to get rid of it, it's to get rid of all of it. You can follow along with the Alamakite story. David ended up eventually killing them all. 
eventually. David finishes what Saul should have done and what Joshua should have done. But see, it's not because Saul banished the mediums, it's because God wanted them banished as well. In Leviticus 20, the law states that I will set my face against anyone who turns to mediums and spirits, spiritualists, to prostitute themselves by following them, and I will cut them off from their people. Consecrate yourselves and be holy because I am the Lord your God. If you seek out, what God says there is that if you seek out fortune tellers or psychics or people to talk with the dead, he's going to turn against you. We have to, like, this is a pretty heavy one on there. Because what did I say in the beginning? God wants you to seek him for the answers, not anything else. Also, God decreed in Deuteronomy 18, Let no one be found among you who sacrifices their son or daughter in the fire, who practices divination or sorcery, interprets omens, engages in witchcraft, or casts spells, or who is a medium or spiritualist, who, or who consults the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. Because of these same detestable practices, the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you. See, they were already practicing that stuff. And that's why he was giving them the promised land. Because they weren't going after God, they were going after the wrong things. And let's, let's be honest, we live in a culture, especially around this time and season, that celebrate those things. There's a reason why I love Pixar, but I've not watched Coco. Because that is about the day of the living dead. When they seek out, and, and now listen, I understand about honoring heritage and knowing your ancestry. There's nothing wrong with that. But when you seek your ancestry to find out answers, that's a difference. Just because I know my heritage, my lineage, where I come from. Listen, I'm Welsh. Okay, if you don't know what that is, that's just a little state in England. Okay? I know it's not the grape juice. <sighs> my wife's like, man, we got grape juice everywhere. No, that's not what Welsh means. Okay, anyway. <sighs> but when, when God decrees us to avoid those things, it's because we're seeking out other things rather than God. And that's what makes the difference. So there's the hiding medium, which is like hiding sin in your life. You can't do that. The second thing I see is, the, or the second character is the frightful king. How many times was Saul frightful? I mean, you got Goliath. I mean, you got, like, when he was first named king, he's like, look, I'm the smallest of my tribe of Benjamin. I'm the smallest tribe. I'm the sm like, don't use me. He tried to play the Gideon card, by the way. Um, and in that, he was always frightful. He was always worried. Yet, yet, he had some good things that went for him. Right after he was anointed king, he went and freed the city of Jabbath. And he prophesied with the prophets. The Holy Spirit had come upon Saul. So it's not like Saul didn't know the power of God. He saw the power of God in Goliath. Why was then he still scared? At the end of his life, at 70 years old, he should have been trusting God at this point. He knows that God's got his back, and yet 
God's not answering me. I don't have dreams. I don't know what to do. I don't, the prophets aren't saying anything. Yeah, because when God is quiet, we aren't supposed to pay attention. There was 400 years that God didn't speak after the last prophet to the time that Jesus was born. That's a clear indication that God is doing something. So when you sometimes feel like it's empty or that you can't hear God, it's not because God isn't doing something in the background. It's because he is doing something and we need to be paying attention to what is going on. But you have the frightful king. I mean, even after, if you read on in the chapter, dig into it. Like I said, I love history. I love stories. But when you dig on into his chapter... The rest of this chapter, as soon as Samuel tells him that hey, you're going to die tomorrow, he just, he just loses all energy. Now, they say it's because he didn't eat you know, the, last, the whole 24 hours before, but he literally was just like, I don't want to go. I don't want to face it. If I'm going to die, why would I go? It was the witch that was like, hey, I did everything you asked, and if you are going to die tomorrow, let's not do it here. You need to move along. Like, get away from me. She fixes a meal and everything else. But I would, I would say that Saul really never fully trusted God. That's why fear was in his life. If you are afraid of something that is going on, I'm not saying that you don't love God, but do you fully trust him? There's a difference between knowing God and fully trusting him and partially trusting him, okay? There, there is a difference there of I know of God, I love God, but then when you are first saved and you first come to Christ, right, that love, exuberance, joy, he frees you from the chains. You should be dancing around, running out of the grave. Woohoo! That should be the excitement in your life. But then he starts putting some, not trials, but putting some tests and saying, hey, let's, let's learn how to trust me. And then when life gets bumpy, ooh, that wasn't fun. And yet, if we allow fear to overtake our lives, we are controlled by that. Saul was controlled by fear. He was frightful. Then there's the dead prophet. Now, see, I find it interesting. Samuel's not playing around. First of all, he's like, why did you disturb me? Like, I was peaceful. I was resting. Why in the world am I back up here? Why have you called upon me? Oh, because I don't know what to do. I told you a long time ago. You're, you lost the throne. Ever since you didn't kill everyone off and kill all the livestock back in 15... Chapter 15, this, this was going to happen. I already foretold you. It's just going to happen tomorrow now. He gave him hard truth. He was, as a matter of fact, he didn't want to be there. By the way, sin, the sin of not defeating the Alma, not following after God, not doing what God told him to do, that was his sin, not following the word of the Lord. The sin affects your legacy. His son could not be king because of his sin. Also, 
your sin affects others around you. The army of the Lord was going to be, army of Israel was going to be destroyed. There's going to be a massacre because you didn't follow after me years ago. Man. And we think, oh, what you do is what you do and what I do is what I do. It doesn't affect us at all. I guarantee you, sin affects, we all know that. The problem is, is following the word of God. See, in Samuel says something very significant in chapter 15, it's verses 22 and 23, that's very relevant that's happening here in 28. Saul tried to defend his disobedience by saying that he intended to sacrifice some of the stolen things to God. Because that's what God wants. He wants stolen sacrifices. Samuel says, Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, for rebellion is a sin of divination. Necromancy, mediums. And presumption is the iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you from being king. Why reference divination there with disobedience? Because divination refers to trying to get revelation about the future and about God's secret plans by using demonic means or means to involve transactions with the dead. When you reject or don't trust the word of God, you're saying that the Lord's word is not enough. Samuel says that in Saul's disobedience is like witchcraft. It's like idolatry. And he puts idolatry and divination or witchcraft, seeking that out in the same category. Why? Because it's the first commandment. Exodus 23, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not seek anything else above me. And when you do, when you seek something else, when you try to do something else, when you disobey my word, you're saying my word is not enough for you. That's the same thing that Isaiah says. He says, when you say to you, inquire of the mediums and the necromancers who chirp and mutter, should you not a people inquire their God? Should they not inquire, or why should they inquire of the dead on behalf of the living? Let me say this. Don't chase after things that are gone. Jesus even says this in He says about the resurrection of the dead you have you not read what God said to you I am the God of Abraham I the God of Jacob and the God of of Isaac He is not the God of the dead but of the living When we who follow after God's word we do not die, but we are alive in Christ. I mean, even after Jesus resurrected from the grave, 
What did the angels ask? Why are you looking for the living among the dead? When we're resurrected, when we go with God, we, we are not dead, but we are asleep. So when we seek after God, we're not seeking anything dead, we're seeking the living. We look at the cross because of the power that it did, the sacrifice that was there, but the power is not necessarily in the cross, it's what happened on the cross. I know a lot of people ask, like, okay, why do people wear a you know, cross symbol and stuff. Each of you have your own opinions there, but my thought is this. I want to focus on what is living. I want to focus on what God is already doing. And this is something that we've kind of talked about the last three, four stories that we've done, is follow God's full instructions. When he called Ezekiel to lie down for a year and a half, follow God fully, even if it looks weird. Where the lion and the man of God who ended up just getting a meal with somebody, who even lied to him, you didn't follow God's instructions fully, and he died. And here with Saul, you didn't follow God's instructions fully, and your kingdom is wiped out. I'm going to ask Pastor Robin to come up. So I have two questions for you today. Pastor Roger, this is not a really happy-go-lucky message. No, it's not. But I think the challenge is still there. Go ahead. Question one. When it talks about the hiding medium, let me ask you this. Is there something that is hiding in your life that you need to get rid of? If, first of all, if you don't think that you can hear God, God's talking to you through his word. If you're like, God, what should I do about this or that? And I'm not saying just go like this and point. I'm not saying do that. Do some research. BibleGateway.com. Bible app on your phone. You version. Real Bible. Study Bibles. Physical Bible, I should say. Not digital. But do some research. Blue Letter Bible. I mean, there's plenty of resources out there. And if you're like, well, Pastor Roger, I don't know of anything I really need to get rid of. Great. That's awesome. Then I would ask you the second question. Are you following God's instructions fully? Start here. Start with the Big Ten. Then read about what Jesus says about the Ten Commandments. 
because Jesus didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. And yes, the curses, absolutely, we are free from. But that doesn't mean that there's not consequences if we don't follow after God's laws. And I really feel like God is calling us into this deeper commitment to him. Like I said, I don't want to preach the same topic every three weeks, y'all. It's not my goal. But when I say, God, what do you want to talk about? And he gives me the same topic for three weeks, I got to pay attention. God, what are we not fully committing to? God, what is in our lives that we're hiding? Why, why, why is this the same message? Because I want to go deeper with some of you and I need a bigger commitment. I need you, I need you to trust my word that when I say that I'm there for you, I'm there for you and you don't need to check anything else out. You don't need to romanticize about anything else. I am enough. The cross is enough for you. The blood of Christ is enough for you. You don't need to worry about anything else. There is a full commitment, full trust. Let's bow our heads. God, help us. First of all, to get rid of anything that you've told us to get rid of. God, to kick it out of our lives. Not to let it hang around or to be hidden somewhere. Not just to make a decree, but not follow up with it, with action. Lord, let us not just say a prayer and then not get rid of the junk out of our lives. And God, Lord, help us to turn from that and to follow after you fully. That we would not be frightful like Saul at the end of his life, but we would trust you on everything. God, Lord, that when fear tries to creep in, when Satan's lies try to creep in, God, we would say, no, the word of God says. The word of God is true. It is God-breathed, inspired for every good work. And that we would stand on the promises of you. We thank you, God, for your word. Now what I'd like you to do is take 60 seconds and ask God, what do I need to get rid of or what do I need to fully commit on?
God, help us get rid of the junk, the sin, the distractions that keep us from fully following after you. Lord, let us not be like the person who tidies up their house. But when the sin comes back, seven times stronger. Lord, let us fill the house with you and your presence and say, nope, you can't come in here no more. It's full. It's full of you. you to do something that I rarely do but I challenge you that you would find somebody to hold you accountable to what God spoke to you and if you're like Pastor Roger I didn't really hear anything specific or I might have a general idea it's it's that general idea it's the Holy Spirit's prompting by the way it's learning to listen to the Holy Spirit I think I need to follow God in this area maybe Okay, then take a step of faith in that. But find one person to hold you accountable to that. And what I mean by accountable is someone that you can trust not to share that secret out to anybody. Because when you're dealing with stuff that's hidden in your life, it's usually nasty. It's usually something that you've been dealing with for years. It's like the uh, unwanted cats that just walk up on your property. They just stick around all the time. They never want to leave. But, so someone that's not going to share that secret and two, someone that's going to pray for you and follow up with you. It's not going to forget. And when it comes to fully trusting, same thing. Someone that you trust, someone that's going to pray for you and then follow up with you. You don't need to tell the whole church body. We're not having testimony time. Hey, come up and tell us your secret stuff. I'm not doing that. But one person. And if you don't know who that person is or you don't, like, I don't really have a full person I trust. I tell you, our pastoral staff is great. There are things that me and my wife were one flesh. So if you tell me, I usually tell her. That's, that's as far as it goes. You can trust the people that God has placed in this body for you.